Hello, my name is Richard Fern. I'm, I'm here today with Anuj Mishra, who is currently studying for an MA in International Relations. Anuj is from the Kathmandu region of Nepal. It's been a fairly busy couple of days in Nepal. Perhaps you'd like to talk talk us through it. Well, yeah, it's certainly been quite a very busy weeks, not days, because, uh, I mean, the, the demonstration's been ongoing. I mean, it was ongoing for at least, at least 19 days, and it was originally planned for just four days, and it stretched because people were just pouring into the street and streaming in, into the streets, demanding for the rights and for total democracy. And, yeah, it's been quite busy in that sense. At least 14 people have been killed by security forces and hundreds been injured and it's the very act of this brutality and this ruthlessness has emboldened people for the rights and the the protest which was originally called for to reinstate the parliament which was one of the demand and also uh, called for constituent assembly election uh, went up to the demand of abolition of monarchy right away so talk me through this. The parliament was suspended three years ago now? Yeah, it was suspended uh, in 2002. Uh, all right, let me correct myself. It's, it's, okay. It was suspended in November 2001. And uh, if you look at the turn of events, in June 2001, we had royal massacre. So this new king... I'm sorry, a royal massacre? Royal massacre, yeah, when 11 members of the royal family were killed. Uh, including King Berendra, and it was blamed on the Crown Prince Dipendra. And at the time, uh, the Maoist rebellion was also ongoing in the rural area, but it was not really uh, so widespread as it would later on. Uh, but this immediately after this king became uh, came to throne, this new king, King Ganendra, he started uh, saying that he was not like his brother, he would not be mute spectator of the political follies, and, yeah, there was, uh, you know, the degeneration of general politics over the years in the late 90s as well. But people were generally happy with, I mean, politics is by by nature messy and democracy is by nature messy. But he was really authoritarian to the core. And he didn't like that. He engineered an um, ouster of the popularly elected prime minister. He had somebody elected prime minister who was amenable to his de designs. And uh, he had that prime minister dissolve the parliament in 2001, November, after Maoist started attacking the army barracks, uh, after the, the peace talk failed. And in 2002, he ousted the prime minister and started uh, appointing prime minister uh, on fiat, you know. Mm. And then in 2005, he organized a self-coup, not satisfied with having prime ministers on <laughs> uh, appointed on his fiat. He just wanted to be chairman of the cabinet himself. And from that time on, it's just been downhill because the security force has not been really able to control the most. Most control almost 20, 75% to 80% of the countryside. And in rural areas, there's been complete uh, paralysis due to the ongoing protests organized by the political parties since then. So I think it's it's all all this what we've what we're seeing over the mm, past few days. Mm. It's a culmination of all those events, uh, and then it's like towards greater democracy and and possibly. So a is, this a, is this a frightening time for the people of Nepal? Is this a hopeful time? Well, both. I mean, it was a frightening time. I mean, it was. I mean. It was a frightening 
phase for people of Nepal since the imposition of emergency last year, in February 1, when King took over all the power. And, you know, it's a militarization and 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 suppression of of dissent very ruthlessly, uh, abrogation of all the civil, political and human rights. So it was a frightening event. But at the same time, people got emboldened. And because they had been in, in democracy, and that's the beauty of democracy, because of democracy, uh, people's confidence were fostered. And, you know, because of open society and uh, proliferation of media and civil civic organizations, people have be become politically matured. And that is the outcome right now we're seeing that people, the political parties originally called for this protest, this series of protests we're seeing for just four days and it just went on uh, without political parties having to announce uh, you know, another set of programs. So what's happened today? Uh, actually last night the king... Uh, so today is uh, is the uh, is the twenty fifth. So this would yeah. have been actually the twenty fourth in, yeah. in Nepal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, last night, eleven uh, uh, thirty p.m. You know, just before midnight, the king relented finally. Uh, actually, he had uh, given an address to nation on Friday, saying that he was willing to hand over executive power to the seven political party coalition that's been organizing this uh, democratic demonstrations. But uh, but people, uh, that's that's another thing. That's another thing about people's really m political maturity. Even before the political parties and the Maoists could comment on this moved by the king, people were just, you know, uh, went ballistic They're on the street demanding this is a folly, don't fall for this folly, this is a ploy by king, you know, to divide the political parties, because, you know, he's done it before, when he called for uh, political parties to name a, a prime minister, there was definitely, uh, mm. you know, disagreement between political parties, and this time the people were warning not to fall for this ploy by the king. You should be united. You should remain uh, resilient. And then they did. They they said, we don't uh, accept this offer. So he had to relent. And last night, what he said is, he's going to reinstate this parliament. And also what is significant is, he recognized the power of the people. He, he's, he's, he explicitly said, due to this ongoing people's movement mm. and respecting people's movements uh, sentiment for change I am uh, reinstating this parliament and offering this political parties but we still have this king in power totally uh, that's that's the thing and then that's uh, the argument that's the ongoing argument uh, uh, on the online debate that I'm moderating as well and uh, that uh, we have to be really careful it's it's not uh, really the constitutional act because constitution has been really thrown in garbage by the king big after his you know so much abuse over the three years and also his coup last year so it is a political act this parliament could be an interim uh, apparatus for change and then it could uh, uh, be a launching pad for the future organization of uh, uh, peace talk with Maoist and also calling for a constituent assembly election which is the key demand of people and that constituent assembly election could formalize the uh, future of monarchy in Nepal if ever it's going to have one. What do you think will be the next moves for Nepal? Well, uh, it's, uh, 
that's the thing that uh, people have expressed cautious note even in my discussion what's going to be happening uh i think uh, there's a, there's certainly a risk because the the major uh, power international power brokers in nepal are india and united states india in tandem with uh, united states really coordinate the things and uh, this king as well may as well have been pressured by these two powers uh, to concede and step down you know uh, so uh, there is still a risk that these powers might uh, coax this political parties to compromise with king and have the king remain as this uh, kind of a fulcrum in nepali politics so that it doesn't veer towards uh, uh, kind of a bit more independent leftist dominated politics mm-hmm. that is the case in nepal right now because the second largest political party in this seven party coalition is a communist party and also the maoists are obviously a communist party so that's the fear and but the thing is people are for change and then even if it is leftist dominated by 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 the way i should uh, uh, put a note there this second largest communist party a uh, in all fairness is comparable to a labor party in united kingdom because oh. it's just in name communist united states fear of maoist takeover is totally uh, unsubstantiated because maoists have proven themselves incapable of uh, winning militarily over the last 10 years and then they have said it publicly and uh, even this movement this this peaceful demonstration has showed that what the political parties uh, for the last 3 years do, with their incessant uh, protests and the maoists over the last 10 years with their military campaign not been able to achieve this demonstration this people's steely demon- de- determination for the last few weeks all over nepal have been able to achieve so i think uh, and then most have uh, recognized that they have said their 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 bottom line is election to the constituent assembly and that will define the future structure of nepal and that will uh, finalize the future of monarchy if ever it's going to have one describe the the geopolitical position there we have india down no uh, nepal is like just uh, right in the right above indian heartland gangetic plain mm-hmm. uh in the mid himalayas and below tibet so uh yeah chinese and indian interests are enormous in nepal given there are millions of tibetans living in nepal uh not as refugees anymore because it's third generation uh, there are citizens now many of them and also massive numbers of indians living in nepal as traders because we have open border system with india and uh, we don't need passport or visa to live in each other's country there are many nepalese living in india many live living in nepal indians living in nepal and uh, and also uh, given the ascendancy of china and india in the global politics because of the rising status economically and also militarily nepal bears i think strategically quite uh, uh, significantly in the global radar screen so what are your hopes your personal hopes for nepal uh well my my i can give you my wish mm-hmm. <laughs> my wish is uh, that this parliament Mm, 
takes bold steps and uh, strips uh, the residual power of monarchy right away because uh, the monarchy with the absolute loyalty of army is always a frustrating element of democratic development in Nepal and that's the history over the last 50 years the monarchy has always checked the democratic development and this conservative conservative force should be really marginalized democratically nevertheless and then uh, the parliament should um, streamline a new uh, way towards election to a constituent assembly free and fair of course and invite most for peace talks uh, and initiate decommissioning of most arms under the UN supervision so that uh, we have a political force without a, a militarily uh, politically indoctrinated military back of force do you believe th- that there could be no peace with the maoists without some third party intervention uh there could be but the the, the catch is the royal nepalese army which is absolutely loyal to the royal family and it's i mean many members of the uh, the uh, the elite uh, group of uh, elite of the royal family uh, the royal nepalese army is Uh, related to the royal family so so uh, to check their ambition and then to make them accept this uh, reduced post conflict role i think we need to have a un uh, monitoring force because i mean uh, you know uh, when you're dealing with people with arms you have to be really cautious i mean uh, on the power of people's uh, revolution we have achieved this much but uh, th- there might be you know Uh, uh, last backing from the royal Nepalese army mm. afraid of its reduced role and also influence in the day-to-day affair uh, in the days to come. Anuj Mishra, thank you very much indeed. Thanks.